Welcome to Mrigashara, a podcast that communicates with communicators. This podcast is a tribute to our fantastic fellow professionals, colleagues and friends. I'm Charu Raizada and this podcast is brought to you in association with Digitales. Stories are an integral part of our lives. Stories move people, stories influence people, help bring in social change. Stories inspire people, be it for a cause or for raising funds. Stories help us communicate better. They can bring data to life and build a strong engagement with our audiences. And stories is what our guest today on Megashira squares by. Joining us on this episode is Amin Haq, founder of Storywalas. Amin strongly vouches for the fact that once you're in business, storytelling is also your business. He believes great stories happen to those who can tell them. And he has helped businesses, leaders, scientists, entrepreneurs, and innovators tell their stories better. Stay with us on Megashira. Hi, Amin. Welcome to Megashira. It's always so much fun to listen to you, your way with words, your passion for storytelling. It's really infectious. We've been talking about storytelling for over a decade now, but somewhere there is still some ambiguity around what is storytelling. Hence, my first question to you is that why should we work with stories? I have come around to believing that uh, once you are in business, storytelling is also your business. And good stories happen to those who can tell them. No matter which business you are in, if you are interacting with people, then you have to convince them, persuade them, align them, influence them, move them to a decision and storytelling can help you with each one of these. Unless, of course, you are operating in an island where you are the only resident of that island. Then you don't need storytelling. But guess what? Even there, the human mind is a story mind. You will be creating stories of a ship that will be arriving with wonderful people or a ship that will be arriving to take you away from there. Your mind will tell you stories. The human mind is a storytelling mind. Can we leverage that in our work? The only way to leverage that is to start by acknowledging that it is powerful and then engaging with it with a view to learn it to become a better storyteller. I think in the olden days, we used to always say our mind is so fertile. But yes, I really like the way you have cha- help, you're helping us change our perspective to say that our mind is actually a storyteller. And how do we leverage on that? So Storywalas has such a lovely ring to it. Reminds me of Kabuliwala. You know, we all used to enjoy reading as kids. So someone from a land far away, peddling his wares and sharing his experiences. So tell us more about Storywalas and what stories you have for us. So, Storywalas was born out of this desire to engage with the idea of storytelling in a deeper way. And that came from my background in communications. I was in advertising and theatre. And both of them are forms of storytelling. And I learned that stories have a lot of power. But we don't leverage that in our everyday lives as much as we can. And I wanted to go deeper. And I wanted to engage with it, learn it for myself. So I am not an expert in storytelling, but I I truly believe, and someone said this to me, that if you want to learn something, try teaching it and you'll end up learning it faster. 
So at Storywalas, we teach storytelling to business leaders, to change makers, to founders and entrepreneurs, to leaders who you know. And, and look around you, you will find that whether it is business leaders, political leaders, or spiritual leaders, the good ones are all good storytellers. So you see this correlation between storytelling and leadership, and that's where we come in to build that muscle. So Storywalas is like a story gym, where we take leaders in and work on their story muscle so that they can elevate their story. So is there a framework for to storytelling? You know, because it's is it like okay, these are the four essentials of a good story, and the and when you're working with business leaders and stuff, and this is this is the kind of framework one has to really look at. Yeah, there are there are frameworks, but I I prefer to call them principles rather than rules. Rules are very prescriptive, and you know when you when you work with the rule, you can't deviate from that. That becomes too prescriptive, and then you know everyone will have the same story, and that's boring. We prefer working with principles because everyone has their unique businesses. Different people will have different risk appetite, different sets of aesthetics. different sense of articulation and they bring in their own persona which is extremely important and that's what shapes storytelling so yes there are methods frameworks techniques but all of them need to be applied in a way that suits the context and the person which is why it's a little bit of science and a little bit of art talking about science you know i mean let me ask you you know as data starts uh, becoming integral to our lives everything needs to be backed by evidence so and we all know how daunting working with numbers data can be so how does one play with data in a fun way a lot of techniques actually uh, one is to bite size the data let me give you an example of it um, i could say 33% of women face sexual harassment now if that's the data and i want to make it more impactful i could explore different ways of saying it for example i could say 3 out of 10 women face sexual harassment but neither 33% nor 3 out of 10 is working that well for me so if i dig deeper i may say hey one out of every 3 women faces sexual harassment now that is a powerful way of saying it because it brings it really close now that method is called bite sizing the data bring it down to the smallest unit i could also use comparison so let's take india's population india's population is 1.2 billion half of them are women that's 600 million 33% uh, well actually number the actual number of women who face sexual harassment is about 50% if you include all kinds of sexual harassment uh including cat calling and eve teasing would be about 50% that's about 300 million now i can say 300 million face sexual harassment but that number is a big number i don't know how to relate to that and that's where comparison comes in so if you compare that number you will find that that number compares with the population of united states of america so let me rework that and try to paint a picture for you charu can you imagine every citizen of united states of america whether boy or girl man or woman gay or lesbian black or white or brown or yellow 
young or old, everyone a victim of sexual harassment. The entire population of the country. Can you imagine? Well, that's the number of women who face sexual harassment in India. I hope I brought the number alive now. So there are a bunch of techniques and I, I haven't yet got into data visualization. I'm just working with articulation. But there are so many techniques that one can use to bring the number to life, whether it is sales numbers or uh, as you know, data scientists, we work with and process a lot of numbers. But it's one thing to work with numbers, another to weave them into a narrative that has an impact on people and moves them to decision. And uh, I have been lucky to work with narrative techniques. I just consider myself very fortunate that I get to do this work every day. I'm actually speechless. Really looking forward to this whole visualization of data. And I'm sure that will be really mind-boggling because we all know how pictures can have a long-lasting impression on our minds. And, I'm, I, and I think this is really something to look forward to. I'm often told that my expressions are a dead giveaway of my reactions, emotions. And I'm sure there are many people out there who are easy to read. How can we work on building a stronger presence? And I'm really looking at it, our ability to be able to handle situations and um, mask emotions, if I may use the word in some ways. Or or is this a misconception? Well, masking emotions is very, very difficult. Liars do it well. But if you think about the big boss house, at some point of time, the mask is going to slip. How long can you keep wearing it? And the true face and the true emotion and the true identity will reveal itself. So it's very difficult to fake it for a long time. The idea is to be authentic. And authenticity never goes out of fashion. No, never. But if you marry authenticity with empathy, then that can be a powerful tool. I may be offended by what you're saying. Now, I have to be authentic and I have to tell you that I am offended. Just authenticity is not good enough. If I wear a mask, I will say, hey, I love what you said. Now, that's not good enough because, you know, at, in my heart, I will be seething. I will be uncomfortable with the fact that I am lying and I am not okay with what you said. So if I wear a mask, I would be saying, I love what you say. If I am just being authentic, I would say, I hate what you say. But if I am authentic along with being empathetic, I may say, hey, I see you have a different and an interesting point of view. I would just like to understand it better because it's different from what others have. Can you please explain a bit more why you said what you said? Yeah. So that's that's, now, that's, that's yeah. so that's how empathy and authenticity can go hand in hand. And the reason I say authenticity is important is masks will slip. Storytelling is not exaggeration. Storytelling is not a mask. Storytelling is not manipulation. Storytelling is about being authentic, is about is about believing that you have a point of view and wanting to express that point of view without hesitation but with empathy. Got that. No, I think uh, 
very well put because you know in today's day and age a lot of people tend to misunderstand storytelling and they equate it with different things and you know this brings me to a question uh, around we've been you know the whole thing about behavior change we've been talking about that and now i mean brands have been using it for a while but now in our public service campaigns the governments have woken up to the need for bringing in behavior change on various topics uh how do you think story can be infused and how this can be changed and taken to the next level let's look at the fundamentals of behavior change where does behavior come from so let me give you a very simple example in india if a youngster happens to be walking past the living room and there are many elders sitting in that and by mistake if you touch somebody with your feet what do you do you bend down and touch that person's feet to your head or to your heart that's what we do in india so we bend down touch somebody's feet back to our head where does that behavior come from that behavior comes from a belief system and what is the belief system the belief system is that all of us you and i are equal you are a god and i am also a god and when i touch you with the lowest part of my body remember i have touched another god with the lowest part of my body so i don't step back and say hey buddy sorry i lean forward bend down and touch and and touch your feet back to my head actions come from belief systems and belief system comes from the story that we bought into that all of us are gods so if you want to change the behavior you have to change the belief system and if you want to change the belief system you have to change the story that's how simple it is but speaking of behavior change if we would really want to understand behavior change we have to study apart from this apart from you know so i i remember this quote that somebody said and i i want to share that quote if you want to change the world first change the story that the world believes so for years india ran a campaign the government of india ran a campaign hum do hamare do now it was aimed at behavior change we have to go back and study why communication that is aimed at behavior change failed study all the failures and you will get a clue the story in people's head is particularly people's head was the more hands i have to work the more the income will be in the house so hum do hamare do goes against that narrative that a bigger family is a wealthier family i will have more hands to earn to work in the farm to work on my shop it went against that narrative you have to change the narrative that more hands mean more mouths to feed without addressing that if we try to change behavior it will not work so everybody knows that wearing a helmet is good for my safety why don't people wear it everybody knows that wearing a seat belt is good for my safety yet you know every day we are collecting fines from people who don't wear seat belts so let's look at the communication on behavior change because the story is that it will not happen to me or there's so much traffic that i am going at 20 km an hour 
it would you know at 20 kilometers an hour even if i am hit i will not die that story needs to be changed so behavior comes from beliefs beliefs comes from narrative when you change the narrative don't just you know build the narrative that wear a seat belt if you build a narrative on the idea that even at 10 kilometers an hour people die even you know when somebody is going in a cycle people die death has doesn't have to do with speed it has to do with impact when that narrative changes behavior changes so just changing the narrative uh, is that enough i mean we all understand that just policy changes are not going to be enough you know in fact uh, it is believed that more than 65% of the problem can be solved with small behavior change interventions from we the people i mean look at the problem of uh, climate change look at the problem of you know uh, uh, sustainability look at plastics if we are not willing to bring in those changes um then it's not going to happen right irrespective of what the government may be doing how can we leverage the power of storytelling here to tell more impactful stories i know you've touched upon it but i really want to end this as a last question of mine where uh, how do we bring in that change from the people's end it's not just about the government how do we get people to take more ownership so change is the most difficult thing to do in the world uh you know if you read times of india as a newspaper i'm just taking an example and if you've locked into the habit of reading times of india as a newspaper and i am your newspaper vendor and i throw the indian express at your doorstep you will run after me in your morning clothes and you will say bhaiya mera regular paper dijiye so you see you are resistant to change if you drink coffee every morning and you start your day with coffee if i give you green tea you will go abah we are resistant to change every day at the same time if you look at if you zoom out and you look at evolution the only reason human beings have survived is because we adapt to change so both of these facts are true one that we resist change two we are able to adapt to change both of them are true it's not easy to embrace so how do stories make change easy behavior change actually comes from belief in stories but i am i'm going to tell a simple story many years ago actually i should start it slightly differently so let me start it differently yeah. this story bengalis believe they know fish better than anyone else and malayalis believe they know fish better than anybody else because they think they consume more fish than bengalis do but if there's anyone who knows fish better than the bengalis and the malayalis it is the japanese they consume more fish than anybody else in the world raw fish cooked fish steamed fish fried fish fish as snack fish as dessert yeah so uh so the fishermen would go out and fish every day and bring in fish and people would consume the fish naturally the fish available close to the land the reserves got depleted so now soon fishermen had to go deeper into the ocean when they would go deeper into the ocean to catch fish they would have to travel back longer they took longer to come back now by the time they got back <clears throat> these discerning consumers they said this fish is not fresh this is stale already we want fresh fish so what did the 
fishermen do they did the first level of innovation they put ice and they bought frozen fish but if you have a grandmother at home she'll tell you that frozen is frozen and fresh is fresh so that's exactly what the japanese consumers told the fishermen that this is frozen this is not fresh we want fresh so that led to the second level of innovation that some people started putting tanks like water tanks and they would catch the fish and put them in water tanks and bring them back alive but there's only so much fish that you can put into water tanks and then you start maximizing so you put as many fish you can but you know you stuff them into that water tank there's no room to breathe there's no room to move around and fish is also a living thing no it knows once caught that i am as good as dead so it gives up trying so people said you know it's alive but it's not agile jaan to hai isme lekin zinda nahi hai so now they didn't the the fishermen were the wits end they didn't know what to do because these consumers were not easily satisfied then one guy had a brain wave he put a shark in the tank and once the shark came into the tank you know the fishes they started swimming and running here from there there to here and a couple of them died but the but the ones that reached the shores they were alive and agile and people said wow this is fresh fish so you see sometimes to change behavior we also need a shark in the tank yeah so that's a lot of food for thought and as always such a pleasure talking to you mean thank you so much for talking to us on regashira hope you enjoy listening to regashira a podcast for communication folks do share your suggestions and feedback on regashira at digitales.co.in Have a great week ahead and do not forget to tune in next week. Adios.